Last Sunday, we reflected on the wise men seeing the stars. But in seeing the stars and recognizing that this points to a king, they still had to set out on the journey. They could have just seen the stars and gone, oh, a king's going to be born somewhere, that's nice, and went on with their lives. But they didn't. They saw the stars, and they packed up all their belongings, and they set out. Starting something new is always a challenge for everyone. It's always kind of scary to start something new because starting something new always requires an act of faith. You have to have an act of faith to be willing to start something new because whenever you start something new, there are so many unknowns that lie before you that are out of your control. But when we talk about an act of faith, we're not talking about walking into nothingness. We're not talking about what we would term blind faith. We never advocate for blind faith as Christians. It's not what we're talking about. Faith, an act of faith, is the certainty of a particular value with a lack of certainty in the outcome. And so we can be sure of something but be unsure of everything else. That we choose one thing, and then the rest is beyond our control. What do I mean by that? Well, think about the idea of starting a new job. Well, what is the value that you can be certain of? You can be certain that work is good, and that I get money from work, which allows me to live. That is a good thing. It's a value that I choose. But then what that job looks like is completely uncertain. There's all these new things that I have to learn, new relationships that I have to create with coworkers, and I don't know where that job is going to lead me. But I can be certain of the value of work and the value of the income that I make for myself, for my family, and so on. An act of faith is certainty of a particular value and uncertainty with much, much more. And that's what the wise men set out to do. They see value in the message that is given to them through the stars, which willingly makes them set out on a journey that they don't know the end of. Our desires, those great desires rooted in our values, is what makes us willing to take those risks. And St. Augustine once described God as beauty ever ancient and ever new. And I think that captures that same idea of faith, beauty ever ancient, what doesn't change, what's always been there, what every generation has known to be true, but also beauty ever new, that you're always beyond our understanding, God, that you will always lead us to paths that we don't know, and those two always go together in God. And so to be a Christian is to follow that beauty ever ancient and the beauty ever new, of being willing to choose that value, but then being willing to go into what is uncertain and unknown for us. But what is one of the temptations when we are faced with something new? It's fear. And fear has to do with consequence. And so there's a temptation to not start new things in our life. 
In the gospel, we hear of John the Baptist, and we also hear Herod's name listed in the list of rulers of that time. And that brought to mind for me later on when John is preaching before Herod, and Scripture tells us that Herod is captivated by what John is saying. But he doesn't do anything about changing his life. He doesn't receive John's baptism of repentance because he's afraid of what everyone in his court will think of him if he does. Or agnostics. You might not know what that word means, but I'm sure you've met them in your life. An agnostic is basically someone who believes that maybe there's a God, we can't really know that there's a God, and so it doesn't really impact my life. Or maybe I believe that God's there, but it doesn't affect the way that I live. There's an acknowledgement that there is a reality bigger than themselves, but there's an unwillingness to accept the consequence of what that means for them in their life. What does that mean for you if there is a higher power? If there is a God, then what does that mean about your life? But it's easier just to, ah, he's over there, I'm down here, I'll just do my thing. Also makes me think of those people that we know and love who who love to complain about things, but the moment that you say, well, do you want to help us change that? No, 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 I can't do that. Right? There's the acknowledgement that there's something more that's needed. They can see that something is imperfect and broken, and that's a good thing. But when we recognize that, that great desire for things to be better, we also have to be willing to step out into that unknown of how do we fix it? How do we make it better? One of the experiences of my life that is seared into my brain was when I was on internship. So partway through seminary, you do a full year internship in a parish. So I was at St. Teresa's in Mill Woods. And the pastor, my supervisor, told me that it would be a good idea for me to get to know more people. And so I should go down to the pancake breakfast and, and visit with people. Well, you have to realize, one, St. Teresa's Parish at the time was over 5,000 families, and so most of them didn't even have any idea that there was a seminarian around. Some of them didn't even know what a seminarian was. And second, I love one-on-one encounters. Crowds terrify me, which I've obviously had to learn to like as a priest. So I went down there because I saw that as a good value. I chose that if I'm going to be a priest, I have to be able to be with whoever the parishioners are. So I walk down and my strategy when going into a crowd is to find one face that I recognize and then through that person I can meet new people. So I walk down stairs to the hall looking for a face that I recognize and I'm walking through the room and I'm not seeing anyone and my anxiety is increasing and I'm searching and searching and I'm not seeing a single face that I know and I walked right out of the room. On the flip side of all those examples is St. Francis Xavier. We celebrated our patronal feast on Friday, was his feast day. St. Francis was a Spanish man. And with the Jesuits, the religious community that he was with, he willingly set out to India and Malaysia and Japan and even tried to get to China, China but got sick and died on the way. All that he had was the certainty 
of faith, the certainty of the goodness of his Christian life that he wanted to share with every soul that he possibly could. And so he went to places where he didn't know the culture, he didn't know the language, he didn't know anything. He went in that complete unknown only with the certainty that God was with him. That's the invitation of God who is beauty ever ancient and ever new. See, that fear, one of the ways that it manifests itself in our life is that the older that we get, our temptation is to do less and less new things. It's, oh, I don't have the abilities to do that anymore. I can't do this or I can't do that. Yeah, there's some things that we can't do as much when we're older. But I'm going to pick on seniors today. I know that's easy for a young guy to stay, say standing up here. But here's the example that I'm going to give you. The last two popes that we've had, they were elected when they were 78 years old. So what you need to know is bishops are required to submit their letter to the Pope at 75 for retirement. That's the retirement age for bishops. So if they were 78 and still around, that means that the Pope had already rejected their retirement for a few years, keeping them around for a little bit longer. So they already accepted to be bishops for longer than they were supposed to. And then a new pope needs to be elected, so they show up, and all of their brother bishops pick them. I don't know what you plan to be doing or what you were doing at 78 years old, but I don't plan on taking on the biggest responsibility of my entire life at 78. Pope Francis is looking after the church of the entire world. He's 85 years old. But because of the conviction of his faith, the conviction of his priesthood, he willingly enters into this newness of being the Pope for our good and all of the uncertainty of what that might mean. We enter new things. One reason, I think, is for the sake of our children. For our children, everything is new. And if we willingly engage in new things all the time, I think it changes the way that we relate to our children. Because then we become aware all the time of what that experience is of new things. That we don't have a life that's just filled with habits, but we willingly try and do new things. And I think that makes us relate to our children differently. Another reason that I think trying new things entering into new experiences is important is because life inevitably will throw them our way. Life inevitably throws us new experiences, whether we like it or not. And so if we willingly engage in new things, then when those inevitable ones come our way, they're less jarring, they're less overwhelming, because I know how I walk through this. I know the certainty of value that I've held on to every time I've tried something new, and I'll hold on to that again in this new thing that's thrown at me, and I'll be fine. But if we avoid new things, then when those new things come, it's quite easy for us to be overwhelmed, especially the older that we get. The wise men saw the stars, but they also made the choice to set out on this unknown journey. And so, what new things might we be avoiding? In what ways do we 
just not try new things because what's known is more comfortable? And are we willing, as Christians, to enter into that mystery of God who is beauty ever ancient and ever new? Are we willing to enter new things for the sake of our Christian life and of our relationship with God?